It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built. Built in, so you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. Elizabeth Dutton. Zarin Burnett. So good to see you. It's really good to see you. How you been? Good? I've been all That's great. I got a question for you. (laughs) You know what's ridiculous? Oh, heavens do I. Listen, Valentine's Day is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Don't you think? Yeah, totally. I think it's like a garbage day. What is even the story of that one, really? St. Valentine, you like shot someone in the heart with an arrow and we all celebrate? What is the real story? Did you know he's the uh, patron saint of lovers? Epi- yes, I did know that, that one, sense. Elizabeth. I, I did. Okay. Epileptics. Next one. No, I did not know that one. And beekeepers. I did not know that one either. Right. But see, that's I'm saying Valentine's Day, but uh-huh. I, we're not here for St. Valentine. Oh, we're not. We're just going to go somewhere different with Valentine's Day. Yes. Okay. We got a hot tip from Instagram friend Sophia Techno. Okay. Thank you, Sophia Techno. Oh, she's the best. Uh, she passed along, or they, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Sophia Techno yes. passed along um, a really terrifying company. Oh, no. It's called Manly Man. Manly company. Man? Yeah. Um, they made tough sh- sided well, gear. It said his love language cured meat oh god so basically it's a beef jerky company (laughs) i like that just as an adjective this is a beef jerky company it's like it's mickey mouse it's beef jerky company they sell jerked beef Uh and uh they have meat hearts which are like you know those candy hearts i know what beef hearts are well it's meat meat hearts and they're heart shaped and it says stuff like xoxo love some say beef mine wait hello (laughs) like the candy hearts yeah, but they're we shaped, traditionally know, but they're it's jerky. But it's it's meat. Yeah, look. See? Uh-huh. Oh okay. God. Oh. So Lord some of Almighty. them say you plus me, uh-huh. meet me. Okay. <laughs> meet me. Like, so. Oh, I get it. But then there's naughty With meat the, hearts. Uh, the, the meet me was not. Naughty meat hearts. What's the naughty? Can you give me an example? I'm of a trying naughty to. Meat heart? I'm trying to look, and it's like. Um, they won't show pictures of the naughty. <laughs> oh, wait, out. it says hot, wild, spicy, eat me, sexy, and then a devil emoji. Oh, Ew, uh, okay. Um, anyway, so they have all these Valentine's Day gifts for men because mm-hmm. most men apparently only eat meat and yes, not chocolate. Of course. Um, they sell beef jerky flowers. So you can do a bouquet <laughs> of beef jerky flowers. Oh, my God. Edi- um, edible arrangement, essentially. Quote, yes. most of our manly gift sets are available in three different versions. Gift boxes, ammo can gift baskets. <laughs> They're trying too hard. And tactical Christmas stocking kits. <laughs> tactical stocking. Each are based on different themes and include products both curated through a thoughtful selection process and custom designed at our headquarters located in sunny Southern California. Oh, This okay. is so Orange County, I can't yes. take it. There's a Bloody Mary gift set, bacon-scented gift wrapping paper. <laughs> this just edible greeting cards, like they write on beef jerky. And the whole thing is just like fragile, toxic masculinity. (laughs) But aside from that, Zarin, maybe if you're good, (laughs) St. Valentine will give you some jerk beef. He'll meet me with something delicious. He will meet you. Yeah. Spicy. Anyway, sorry about that. I'm just glad that that wasn't a mashup. That was a long daddy. 
Yeah, that was ridiculous, yeah. though. Thank you, Elizabeth. I know as a California native. Yes, you, uh, you know I love to talk about that. Well, I'm like the Anthony Kiedis over here. We're gonna test that today. Oh, baby! <laughs> oh, doggy! You know that Ronald Reagan was once the governor of this great state. <gasps> oh man, yes. <laughs> But you may not know this next one. Did you know that when Ronald Reagan was sworn in as governor of California in 1967, he scheduled his inauguration to occur exactly at 12.10 a.m.? What, like right after midnight? Why would Ronnie Reagan want to become governor (laughs) at exactly 10 past midnight? I don't know. Great question, Elizabeth. Well, (laughs) because at that precise moment, Jupiter would be at its zenith. Wait, are you kidding me? And as any good occultist can tell you, Jupiter is the symbol for kings. But not only that, Elizabeth, Jupiter is also the zodiacal symbol for fame and prosperity. All things governors desire. And boys go to Jupiter to get stupider. Exactly. So 10 past midnight it was. Wait, that's when he got inaugurated? What? Yes, this is all true story. If you asked the newly elected governor's executive secretary that night, he would have told you, as he told reporters at the time, Governor Reagan, quote, is not guided by the stars, nor do we intend to have stargazers in the administration. He was lying. They had stargazers in the administration anyway. But if you asked the newly elected governor's wife, yeah. She would have told you, oh, that? That was my idea because Ronnie and I, are, we're down with the mysticism. Not a direct quote. <laughs> but that woman, of course, was Nancy Reagan. Yeah, Nance. Okay. Get ready for a wild one. Oh, boy. This is Ridiculous Crime, a podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heists, and cons. It's always 99% murder-free and 100% ridiculous. Sure. (laughs) Nancy Reagan. Yeah. All right. Now, these days... Little Nance. You see her get mentioned from time to time on social media. Uh Uh-huh. Usually for what she did as a first lady of the United States. Yeah. Either, you know, about, like, the Just Say No Drug sure. Awareness campaign Didn't she did. did she, like, sit on Mr. T's lap? She did for a Christmas yeah. Uh, photo. Very Yeah, he was, hubba, hubba. He was uh, Santa and she was, <laughs> yeah. I think, Mrs. Claus. She was an elf. Yeah, she was an elf, yeah. Anyway, these days, you'll read also read online about how apparently back in her Hollywood days, the former first lady was rumored to be quite a crowd pleaser, Elizabeth. Yeah, I've And actually... not just as an actor, more of a people pleaser, one might say. Yeah, a little bit saucy. She liked to party. Yeah, and, like risque ways she was a goat yes i i um i have a relative who was sort of in those circles oh, like really? the pasadena kind of like Toluca oh Lake. yeah that whole like wild like uh yeah. astronomers and hollywood people getting into and sex she parties knew them. yes she knew the reagans i mean oh. this isn't like a contemporary of mine it's she's long deceased yes, but yes. like she's amazing sounds amazing and she knew them and she was always like they're free <laughs> they are freaky deaky. Now I'm like 10 being like, tell me, tell me everything. And she's like, they are 100% freaks. No, she didn't tell me. She told my mom. Oh, okay. You're just like listening around the corner. Yeah. And I'm like, what? What's a freak? You're looking up freaks. Yeah. You just so see pictures she, of Rick James. She got down. You're more confused. She got down with a lot of fellas. Yes, Nancy. Nancy. Yeah, not your... No, 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 yeah, no, yeah, no. Of she course. Was, she was no. Now, Elizabeth, the thing to know about Nancy Reagan is she was always crazy cunning. A true operator. As this, this story will in particular go to show, she was also the real power behind the throne. Right? Yeah, That's not yeah. a, a lot of people know that. It's not a big secret, but we'll get into that. Anyway, to keep and hold that power for her and Ronnie, Nancy relied on a cadre of psychics and astrologers. In fact, Nancy Reagan let astrologers decide American foreign policy. Amazing. Yeah, because because that same policy that her husband, as the president, would then make real because he listened to her and she listened to the astrologers. And then everyone listens to him. Yeah, we'll get into all that. But first, let's go back in time. <gasps> Gonna go back in time. Yeah, do you want to do a Huey Lewis impression Hi. for us? Do you know my first concert that I ever saw was Huey Lewis? Get out of at town. At the State Fair at Cal Expo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's amazing. He's incredible. <laughs> oh my God, yes. Could God you, bless. Could you give us a little Huey Lewis sands the news? Uh, Gonna go back. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Huey Lewis, Sam's the Huey news, Newton. right? 
Well, well, I'm just, you know, calling him up for the 80s of it all, the uh-huh. back in time. But anyway, Ronald Reagan, what was that all about, right? Who knows? You remember that how they called each other mommy and daddy? Yes. Right? That's kind of what you're saying with the freaky, right? Yeah. I always thought that was eerie. Anyway. I'm going to do that. I'm going to call everybody mommy and daddy. <laughs> just anybody you <laughs> yeah. need, think is cool. Totally. Like, I like to, You've earned it. I saw you from across the bar, so, mommy and daddy. Continue, mommy. Okay. Anyway, the year is 1947. Ronald Reagan's movie career has been sidelined by World War II. The star of Newt Rockney All-American, a.k.a. win one for the Gipper, right? That guy? That was his biggest hit, by the way. But that was back in 1940. So now he's seven years past that. He's not been getting parts after the war. In total, I don't know if you know this, Reagan was in 53 films. Really? Yeah, his last film was The Killers. I didn't know that many. Anyways, at this point, his career stalling. Reagan decides, I'm going to run for office. He's elected to be the president of SAG. Yep. Screen Actors Guild, March 10th, 1947. Now, in April, he's interviewed by the FBI, and he supplies the agents with a list of suspected communists and communist sympathizers in Hollywood. Disgusting. Right? Now, here's a little Tinseltown history for you, Elizabeth. The Hollywood blacklist was created under Reagan's presidency of SAG. Yeah. In October of that same year, 47, he and known commie hater Walt Disney, mm-hmm. they like, tag-teamed together and they went to Washington and appeared before the House Un-American Activities Committee, which were the first, they were the first witnesses in the hearings that would eventually give us the Hollywood blacklist yeah. and you know, the yeah. Red Scare. And destroy careers of geniuses, but yeah. Completely. Yeah, now when it was Reagan's turn, he sang like a bird. Reagan took the stand, he, he named names, and I mean, he was like a phone book, just spitting out names, right? He was <laughs> like, he named friends, co-workers on film sets, anyone he's suspected of being likely communist, right? Yeah, like, that's the thing, is that it was just, even if you had a whiff, it's not like, oh, you're a member of the actual party. They don't have, like, a a picture of their card. You know, it's like, oh, he's a card-carrying communist. No, Yeah, they're like, like, he smokes clove cigarettes, I'm suspicious. He likes too many German expressionist films. (laughs) I think he's a communist. Anyway, big moment in the beginning of the wave would be called Red Scare, okay? Reagan plays his part. This turned by the Reagan into becoming an anti-commie witch hunter. Mm -hmm. This caused tensions with his wife at the time, actress Jane Wyman, and uh, the two, the pair divorced. Mm -hmm. Now, this was about when Ronald Reagan made his big switch from being a Democrat who had backed Truman in 48 and once called Roosevelt a true hero, right? He becomes an Eisenhower Republican in 52. Yeah. Just switcheroo. Now, there was another big change in his life around this same time. While Reagan was president of SAG, this young actress came calling upon him, right? The year was 1949. The actress was named Nancy Davis. Can you guess why Nancy Davis first came into Ronald's office that day when he was SAG president? I don't know. She's like, yoo-hoo, where's Bonzo? (laughs) Is the chimp in the office? (laughs) Bring me the chimp. She was worried about her name appearing on a list of communist sympathizers. Oh. But it's not what you would suspect, Elizabeth. Turns out the suspected commie was a different Nancy Davis. And she's like, I don't want that girl getting my career all messed up. She's like, let's change my name by you marrying me. Hey. <laughs> exactly. Simplify things. Now, just as sure as Quentin Tarantino loves feet, Nancy Reagan was no commie, <laughs> right? But she was single. And um, uh, the two hit it off. Yeah. Nancy was 28. Ronnie was 38. And then, obviously, she married Ronnie. She becomes Nancy Reagan. Now, according to her biographer, Nancy had been scheming for months about how she get into Ronnie's pants, right? She finessed it, so she felt she had to now lock it down and make him put a ring on it. Nancy's plan worked brilliantly. He did. And uh, she had more plans, many, many more plans for him, right? Now, let's skip forward again. This year is now 1953. We've gone four years forward, right? The name Reagan is now practically mud in Hollywood. He's not only not getting parts of Reagan to this point, the name Reagan wouldn't even get you like a a table at the Brown Derby, right? He's just like falling off. Ronald Reagan was on his way to officially becoming a has-been B-movie actor. Right, right. By this point, he's, he's making mostly forgettable westerns. He's already made his classic man in a chimp movie, Bedtime yeah. for Bonzo. That's in the past, <laughs> right? Uh, at this point, he's he's making B movies with the titles like, "quote She's working her way through college." That and was the name of the movie. That was the name of the title. Oy, that was the title. And trust me, that title makes the flick sound far more interesting than it was. <laughs> it's like legitimately just like a cinema verite yeah, of a lady she's like working her way through college. <laughs> Anyway, year 1953, Eisenhower's president. We're in a very staid time in America. Reagan is 42 years old, and he's looking around for a, what's he going to do? You know, if big time, like, lasting Hollywood fame was going to happen, it would have happened by now. Yeah. He knows that ship has sailed, so he's willing to face the writing on the wall. He has to come up with a new Reagan. Reagan also, mind you, is deeply in debt. 
Hmm. He's got a, a Malibu ranch, cost him $85,000. He's got another eighteen grand in assorted debts. All told, that's $103,000. I know you like the, oh, the God. translations. Oh, God, give it to me, give it to me. $1.2 million in 2024 dollars. That's, that's not bad. Yeah, so he's $1.2 million in debt. Yeah, but like, imagine no what a Malibu prospects. ranch, what does a Malibu ranch go for today? Oh, sure, yeah. It's like he's a gonna, $50 million property. It would be ridiculous, yeah. This, he, you know... It's, he got in early. He got in good. Yeah, yeah, he did. Anyway, the dude also has responsibilities. His divorce from Jane Wyman has left him paying 500 a month in child support. Oh. He's got a new baby with his wife, Nancy. Oh, yeah, now, yeah. And remember, as I said, he's not getting cast much. So Reagan's income is basically coming from whatever roles he can get from one-off appearances on TV shows or personal appearances for corporations. Like Does he's he doing, do ads? He's doing trade shows, ads, oh, like yeah. conventions, right? So Reagan's talent agency is still a big-time agency. It's MCA, Lou Wasserman's old place. Uh-huh. His agents tell Reagan they got a new gig for him, right? Now, it'll, it would be a show. Well, it's in a showroom, right? And the, it's in the newly made Pleasure Oasis in the desert, Las Vegas. They're looking to bring in, like, you know, Hollywood types, recognizable faces from TV to impress the tourists and make them, you know, give them a little touch of glamour, Hollywood who, right? Come on. What do you think, Reagan? Reagan's like, uh, I don't know. Is there uh, maybe? He's, he's kind of thinking about it. I don't know what he wants to do. Now, they thought Reagan would just do absolutely fine as a touch of Hollywood, because that's basically what his career is, a touch <laughs> of Hollywood. Now, he is recognizable, but he's not a big star. I mean, people know him. So his agents, they know he needs the money. So they're like, Reagan, come on, let, let's take it. And he's like, I don't know. This is not the ideal career move, right? Yeah, yeah. It's 1953. Vegas at this point is still the sticks. Oh, right? yeah, totally. He's making Vegas into what we know. It's not even like, you know, Sinatra in 1960. No, this no. Is nobody, Early days. Exactly, right? So. This this is like when Fremont Street was the you completely know. downtown is mm-hmm. the scene, right? So the Frontier, the casino, the Frontier offered Reagan a bunch of money to come out there because they know he didn't want to come. So they gave him $30,000 for two weeks in their Whoa, showroom. Oh, in, the, in those days, yeah, money. That's $342,000 in 2024 Grr, money for wee. two weeks' work for Ronald Reagan. And he's I'll like, do it. Reagan's like, let me think about it. Are you kidding me? <laughs> He's like, let me think about it. He goes home to Nancy. They discuss it. Oh, I can imagine. She's like. Right? And she's like, she's not totally into it, but she likes the numbers. Like, that was a big number. Uh-huh. Right? So they decide they need to follow the advice of someone they can trust to help them make these decisions. So they turn to Hollywood astrologer Carol Ryder. Oh, boy. Now, at the time, he had an astrology column in the L.A. Times. So (laughs) the Reagans, they flipped through the L.A. Times, and they found Carol Ryder's Zodiac breakdown. Uh His horoscope on the day for Reagan's horoscope was, this is a day to listen to the advice of experts. So he's like, my agents are experts. I'm taking the job. So Reagan says yes. Wow. He listened to his agents at MCA and the horoscope. Tody 3000. Exactly. Now, that one choice, it was not made by him, radically (laughs) changed his fortunes and the future of America. Two years later, Reagan gets a new gig hosting the General Electric Theater, which keeps him on TV for the next decade. He uses that consistent fame to basically plan his next move, a political career. Soon enough, Reagan's elected the governor of California, and both Ronnie and Nancy credited the Zodiac and the newspaper Psychic for guiding their fate. And the Zodiac killer. Exactly. Thus, when he took power as governor, there was that whole Jupiter is ascending inaugural event, because now they're locked into this lifestyle. nuts. Okay, now that we've laid down our star-crossed foundation, Elizabeth, let's take a break. And when we get back, I'll tell you all about the Psychic that shadow ran the Reagan White House. (sighs) Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. 
Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com iHeart. Identity theft protection starts here. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. And we're back, Elizabeth. Hey, how are you? All right. So we're talking uh, mommy and daddy. Yes, mommy. Ronnie and Nancy. Yes, father. It's like a really different Sid and Nancy story. <laughs> okay. God. Over the years, after he had guided them. <laughs> Just imagining them, her like all smeared, like coal eyeliner, totally. bleach blonde hair. Like, uh, like what, what do you call it? Baby pin through the nose. Totally. Okay. Over the years. Uh, what's his name? Carol Ryder, right? He, uh-huh. He'd been guiding them from his newspaper column. And Nancy Reagan eventually initiates a close personal relationship with his Hollywood astrologer to the stars, Carol Ryder. Yeah. And by the way, this guy is a flamboyantly gay man. Okay. Like just flamboyant as flamboyant can be. And somehow this didn't bother the Reagans back then when they needed his help. I guess it was like Hollywood hairdressers. Well, he's, yeah, he's playing it a role okay for them. It was okay for men to be gay if they could, you know, style your hair well, or, think that, you know, divine the stars. And in that situation, and I think it carries out in some communities to this day. That yes, if you yes, have, completely. Like, if you play a certain role, like you're saying a hairdresser or an astrologer. Ones that they prescribe for But the, you have to be, you can be flamboyant, but they have to be kind of sexless. Definitely so, yes. I don't want to, you know, they don't want to see them, like, in a relationship or living their life. Yes. It's really weird. Totally. But, yeah, I know what you mean with the, that whole scene. So that scene, they were cool with it then, apparently. Anyway, <laughs> Nancy Reagan, what was that all about? Yeah. What's she like? What's her vibe? Okay, Nancy Reagan, back when she was Nancy Davis, yeah. was a total trooper. And I mean like an actress. Like she was show folk, the daughter oh, okay. of show folk. Oh, really? Yeah, her mother was an actress. And her mother helped her secure a future in Hollywood. So Nancy Reagan, you know, she took care of the rest. Now, she was always a shrewd personality, and uh, but she and Ronnie, they were, as I said, a peculiar couple. And as you know, the, those close to them, they say that they, as you pointed out, and they're kind of freaky, they yeah. adored each other in more oh, polite yeah. terms, right? Yeah. Like I, I told you, they would call each other mommy and daddy, but they were also apparently super horny for each other. Like when they, they were always down for PDA, like the like heavy petting in the Oval Office. <laughs> Years later, that? like when they're like, you know, kind of wrinkled and old, the White House doctor <laughs> said, quote, I feel like I was a kid watching a sister necking on the couch with her boyfriend oh my god yeah, you're welcome for that visual I'm, I'm like shuddering but i'm also kind of like proud of them yeah exactly. i'm super Good proud for them. of them i'm like get it you know like i, I want them like <laughs> lick smacking each other yeah they're just like they she takes some beef jerky in her mouth and she leans over <laughs> and he receives it yes, that's so sweet and then he like adds that to the jelly beans in his mouth oh already god, half right. eaten that she spit earlier bellies, she yeah. like bird fed to him she, she chews up the jelly bellies and regurgitates half chews them. them yeah yeah exactly they're still his... warm but half chewed <laughs> He likes to suck out. The- anyway. Are you trying to one-up me on my gross <laughs> No, I'm not trying. Because it can't happen. <laughs> While we're at it, Carol Ryder, what's up yeah, with that guy? Why yeah. did the Reagans love what's him so much? Story? Great question, Elizabeth. I want to learn more about him. Now, as, as I said, dude was a newspaper astrologer, but he was also a personal fortune teller, a fabulous psychic to the stars. He'd first been recognized as a boy having psychic powers by a renowned astrologer named Evangeline Adams, who okay. we should do a story about. Okay. Anyway, she was a curious one. It was illegal for her to be a, like a psychic and astrologer in New York at the time this is the madam x era of like you oh, know the 1920s right, and so right, right. she was like writing astrology books the ghostwriter for her books on astrology was a young alistair crowley no way. yeah she was about about it well you know what's weird again we've done this for a few weeks in a row now and i'm mm-hmm. not sure how this is happening i'm talking about a hollywood psychic really uh, yeah, on Thursday. I love this, and we don't tell each other our stories no, before. No, and it's just like keeps happening of like compendiums. Yeah. Or, this is just, I'm kind of, I can't process this. This is really weird. It's in the stars. Totally. We're in, we're in sync. I guess. Yeah, like college roommates. Like we were now in the band yeah. in sync. Exactly. Now, um, as I said, Carol Ryder, when he was 14, the famous astrologer Evangeline Adams, uh-huh. she told him, you have great powers, right? And he like, he's like, oh, you think so? He doesn't listen to her. He's like, oh, that's cool. That's neat. <laughs> and But he was like, you know, like, I would have run away and joined the circus right he was like no i'm gonna go become a lawyer so now, i want powers 
I want psychic powers. Totally. That'd be down, right? I totally want that. He went the other way. We kind of denied him. He went to UPenn. He gets a law degree. Wow. He gets a job as a lawyer in a big Philadelphia firm. And then he finds he hated it. <laughs> He's like, this is so <laughs> not for Carol Ryder. So he did what you would counsel him to do, Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. He quit. Nice. Yes. He threw up his deuces and walked out. Love and it. I love quitting jobs. He would have made you feel real proud with this because next he started feeding the poor. Well, that was his mission. Him. It was it was the Great Depression at this point, early 1930s, and there was right. plenty of hungry mouths to feed. And he's like, I used to be a lawyer. I got a little coin in my pocket. And so he goes around feeding the homeless Good and for the, the forgotten. So around this time, this is when Carol decides he's going to get into astrology full stop, right? He starts reading people's horoscopes. He embraces his powers. But soon, since it is the Great Depression, he mostly starts to come in focusing on helping forgotten men get jobs. Oh, wow. Right? He's not even like over there like enriching his pockets. He's like, I can get you a job. Go down to... And he puts his fingers to his head and he's like, the <laughs> stockyards and talk to a man named Larry or whatever, but right? It's, there's a man there with a mustache. Yeah, so a big walrus mustache. <laughs> Tell him you're from Brooklyn. So out of nowhere, he receives this crazy news from his doctor, right? He has a pain in his back that won't go away. So he visits a doctor. The doctor tells him he has six months to live. And he's oh, like, no. I did not see this coming. What kind of powers are these? <laughs> anyway, Carol Ryder freaks out. But rather than give in to despair, what does he do? He decides, uh... I know what to do. I'm going to read my own horoscope. So he goes to see, is the doctor right? And the stars inform him that he just needs to relocate. And he's like, I knew it. So he goes west. What was it? Like a parasitic twin? <laughs> That's your guess, a parasitic twin? <laughs> Anytime anyone's like, my back hurts, I'm like, you probably have right, a parasitic, parasitic twin. twin. <laughs> that sounds like parasitic I, twin I think to you me. got a calcified parasitic twin in there. You got like a, your little uh, baby brother inside you. He's all, he's all bone now. <laughs> Anyway, anyway. He, he goes out there and he finds, quote, physical protection in the Southwest, just like the stars oh, in his went, horoscope had told him. Did he go to Sedona? No, he went to L.A. Oh. Yeah, he ignored his doctor, listened to the stars, moves out to L.A. Yeah, you know what? That's what you got to do sometimes. He arrives just in time for the golden age of Hollywood. Oh, it's such a good time in Los Angeles. Great era of studios mm-hmm. and starlets and, like, I don't know party scenes. Yeah. It was great for Carol Ryder, somebody who's fabulous and looking to be fabulous for money, right? Yeah. So. The studio bosses and the Hollywood power brokers and a lot of the actors, the actresses, they're big believers in the occult. They love this stuff. So they love, you know, they love stars out there, Elizabeth. Yeah. Yeah. So the Carol Ryder, he finds a happy home in Hollywood. He works his way into the Hollywood crowd. He his big debut as an astrologer to the stars took place at Charlie Chaplin's house. He goes to a Charlie Chaplin party and just starts reading people's cards and stuff. And they're like, This guy's amazing. And everyone's like super into it. Anyway, from then on, he's got all the Hollywood glitterati around him. They're all eager for him to come to their parties or for them to go to his. So he has, and I'm talking stars like Clark Gable, Tyrone Power, Marlene Dietrich, uh, Betty Grable, Hedy Lamar. Personal, oh, wow. Oh, you know, she's amazing. Oh, yeah. Total uh, friend of the Genius. show. Hedy Lamar. Great girl. Great yeah. gal. I love her. <laughs> anyway, apparently this guy, he threw incredible parties, as I said, soirees, really. So imagine yeah. like, uh, well, you don't have to imagine. I found one account of one of his parties. The Reagan biographer, Kitty Kelly. <laughs> <gasps> oh, that's right. Oh, my <laughs> she God. recorded the details of a Carol Ryder party at his Hollywood Hills home. And I quote, fish were swimming around in his pool for the Pisces party. He rented a live lion for my Leo party, and he lined up sets of twins for the Gemini party. He served astrologically appropriate foods such as meat and potatoes for moon children, lemon pie for the tart tastes of Aries people, and hot red peppers for passionate Scorpios. Oh, my goodness. Yes. I want his life. <laughs> I want psychic powers, which would be amazing. Seriously, yeah. I would love that. Swanning around in a LeMay moo-moo. I want to wear a moo-moo and throw lavish parties. Mm-hmm. I love lavish parties. I know Not you do. attending them. I like throwing, throwing them. Throwing them, yeah, which and is like rare. And then to go back in time and live mm-hmm. in that time in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah, totally. It's mm-hmm. a good time. Very simple in some areas. Well, you could have pulled it off. I just like to imagine what it looks like pre-development. That's what I mean, it's yeah. The before, very burgeoning exactly. development of things. Well, you know, there's slicing ladies open, Black Dahlia. <laughs> Black Dahlia style. <laughs> Old Nancy Reagan, she was a Carol Ryder super fan, right? Yeah. So she attended his weekly Tuesday night astrology class. Yes, their relationship blossomed into a full-on, like, Svengali deal, right? Okay. He was the Reagans, like, therapist, their marriage counselor, their love coach, their life coach, their everything, right? So following his advice, he coached them right into the California governor's mansion in 1967. he's amazing. And this was noted by others. This wasn't, like, a big secret because Time Magazine took note because two years later, they put him on the cover of Time Magazine and announced it with the headline, Astrology and the New Cult of the Occult. Wow. Yeah, like they were about about it. So the article mentioned how Ryder, no longer young, had still attended 
to his many personal clients. As Time article noted, quote, the phone rings constantly and Ryder spends much of his time in a soft voiced swivet of, ooh, Moonchild, I'm happy to tell you that this is a very good day for you. <laughs> so that's what he was doing like, towards, you know, his uh, golden years, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and after this same man was able to guide the Reagans to power, once the couple were in the governor's mansion, you can imagine how the Republican staff reacted to this life oh, that got sure. them there, right? But they had to swallow whatever they thought because as the campaign consultant Stu Spencer yes, noted. Yes, I know that. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know that Nancy warned folks like him that, quote, she was going to be the bad guy. Oh, yeah. She came in Darth Vader style. Like, he's the emperor. I'm Darth Vader. Fear me. <laughs> there is a listener of ours. I mm-hmm. think, what was her name? Fran, I think. Mm-hmm. I remember because she said she was a second generation Californian. Okay. And uh, I'm going to one up her as being a fifth. Um, anyway, <laughs> so she recommended a book called The Last Days of the Late Great State of California. Oh, okay. Yes. And it has become one of my favorite books ever. Yes. I am in I'll have to check that out. Eternal debt to her. But one of the, so like the first chapter of the book is mm-hmm. fiction. It's about like there's an earthquake in California okay. falls into the ocean. Last chapter, fiction. Mm-hmm. The middle part of it is all just like, true account of California through these years. It's like, it was came out in like 67, the book. Mm, interesting. And so they talk about all the consultants, the political consultants, who get Reagan to where he yeah. he is. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, how do you get him in the governorship and the manipulations of that? Yes. Uh, it's insane. It was, it was they a, just created a candidate. Exactly. He yeah. was like a very much, like if you want to say Kennedy was the first TV candidate, Reagan was the first like, you know, like focus group oh, candidate. Oh, 100%, 100%. So anyway, this is how his Republican staff learned to look past the gay astrologer who was informing Nancy <laughs> and Ronald's decision-making yeah. and guiding them to Which power. Which is just, I try to imagine like all these stiff suits at the yes, time. Yes, exactly. And they're just like, well. Like 66, right? Not, we got power. Yeah, 67, 66. Yeah. yeah. 67 is technically 66 was the election year. 67 right. he takes power. So th- this sort of management, though, wasn't a huge problem for when Reagan was governor of California. But it would become a problem for them once he considered running for president. Yeah, you can get away with a lot out here. Yeah, it, it's a land of Although, like Jerry Brown, shaking earth. Who we, I think is just amazing totally. and I love him. Can, One of the greatest governors mm-hmm. we ever had. Gold Governor Moonbeam himself. Well, that's, do you know why they call him Governor Moonbeam? No, why? You'd think it was because it was all crystals and whatever. I assume that he meditates at night under the moon beams. It's my understanding uh, that it, he got called Governor Moonbeam because he wanted to have satellite connections to basically have like early Zoom, like have oh, wow. phone calls for meetings so that you're not traveling all over the state. Yeah. And use technology to your benefit. Huh. And they were talking about satellites. Oh, he wants to moonbeam. And moon they called it, it. it moonbeam. That's what I've been told. Interesting. Well, when Reagan was governor of California, it wasn't a problem to maintain all this, like, um, back channel with the occult, right? Mm -hmm. But now, once he's going to become president, this is going to be an issue, right? But first, decide to even run for president. They have to go and consult with the occult, right? So the Reagans, they turn to their life coach and personal astrologer, and, you know, rather than me just talk about it, I'd like to take you there, Elizabeth, to the fateful decision of whether or not Ronald Reagan should run for president. Oh, I can't wait for Elizabeth, this. I'd like you to close your eyes. My eyes are closed. And picture it. It's early in the year in the bicentennial of America. It's 1976. And everyone seems to be in a patriotic mood. Well, most everyone. At the moment, you are at a sprawling estate in the Hollywood Hills. The house is a pillared beauty, classical, well-appointed. It's the kind of house that has a nickname. The owner calls it Harmony House. Once a month, he hosts fabulous Zodiac-themed parties for the Hollywood elite to come and act out their eyes-wide-shut fantasies. Elizabeth, you are the dog groomer for the astrologer to the stars, yes. Carol Ryder. Yes, And you're currently using scissors and combs to shape the fur puffs of a pair of French poodles. Mm. The one you're currently trimming is thankfully willing to stand poised and proud as you snip away. Across the great room, seated on a 17th century chair, working on an ornate desk covered in framed photos of classic stars like Joan Fontaine and Grace Kelly, Princess of Monaco, is Carol Ryder. Wearing a silk smoking jacket, he's working at an old royal typewriter, working on his astrology column. The quietude is interrupted by a loud gong sound. That's the doorbell to Harmony House. You hear a butler greet the visitor, and then from their approaching footsteps, you can hear what sounds like a woman drawing near. Her high heels are staccato against the marble tile floor. The butler, and a woman, wearing a kerchief and sunglasses, clearly meant to avoid being seen, enters the great room. The butler announces her, Nancy Davis to see you, Mr. Writer. You look up from the French poodle and you nearly spit out your big red cinnamon gum because you see, despite her kerchief and sunglasses, that's the first lady of California. 
and you do not like her. Her husband put a number of your friends in San Francisco behind bars for minor possession charges. What is she doing here? You give a look to Carol Ryder to see if you should leave, but with a graceful hand, he suggests you stay and finish grooming his French poodles. The woman, Nancy Davis, a.k.a. Nancy Reagan, greets the astrologer Carol Ryder. They air kiss and exchange pleasantries. You look away and keep your scissors busy cleaning up puffs of poodle. Nancy Reagan and Carol Ryder huddle at his desk. You're trying not to listen to their hushed tones, but then Nancy gets a little heated and says rather loudly, Should Ronnie run for president? You're hoping the stars are not aligned, but you can't <laughs> help it as you listen to Carol Ryder read Nancy and Ronnie's star charts. After a moment of study of the stars, Carol Ryder tells Nancy, The timing isn't right. Nancy does not want to hear this. She barks back, why must we wait? Why can't we go now? Why? 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 This is a direct quote. You think to yourself, she's like an angry little girl. Carol Ryder smooths down the lapel of his silk smoking jacket, thinks a moment. You wait to hear his reply. Carol Ryder tells Nancy, the stars impel, they don't compel. What you make of your life depends on you. This is not unique advice. This is actually the disclaimer he adds to his astrology column in the LA Times. Oh, yes. You have to fight back a laugh, but you no longer want to laugh as for the next hour, you have to listen as you groom the two French poodles, Nancy Reagan, beg, plead, badger, browbeat, and guilt the astrologer into telling her what she wants to hear. You admire how he stays firm and graceful and unflappable. Finally, he tells Nancy Reagan that she needs to go to leave and to think deeply about what the stars are telling her. She agrees to go, but she'll contact him soon. Her high heels walk back to the front door, led by the butler. You hear the click-clack recede into the distance. The front door opens, closes. That's when Carol Ryder finally lets out the deeply annoyed sigh he's been holding in, and he loudly exclaims, That woman, (laughs) she wears me out. You can't help it. You laugh, and he laughs, and the two of you share a laugh at Nancy Reagan's thirstiness. <laughs> now, no, two yes. things. Yes. One, I want to live in that picture. <laughs> two, <laughs> it's amazing. I, I want that. Two, yes. why did she think she could browbeat him to change the stars? <laughs> I, do, I do not get like, You go to somebody to tell you what the stars say. And you go you, out and yell at the sky. Yeah, like, you got to just listen. Like That's what you're going to them for. Otherwise, you can just tell yourself whatever. Yeah. Why do you need them involved? And it is what it is. Just like, get a fortune cookie and interpret it. Yeah. Oh, boy. Anyway, Nancy Reagan, she decided not to listen to her astrologer's advice. She found a different astrologer who would tell her <gasps> what she'd want to hear. And then she told her husband that he should indeed run for president in 1976. Oh, man. It was in the stars. <laughs> he did. And he lost the primary. Carol Ryder was correct. It was not the it time. While that may have been not the right moment for the Reagans, as we all know, they didn't have to wait long because four years later, in 1980, Ronald Reagan ran again for the White House. And that time, the Reagans won. Um, Spoiler alert. Carol Ryder became a frequent guest at the Reagan White House, which did not play well. However, <laughs> by then, he was a very old man and he didn't care. And also, he knew he would not live the Reagans' presidency. If you can believe it, Carol Ryder correctly predicted the date of his own death. Really? Yeah. Anyway, knowing he didn't have long, the astrologer knew he needed to turn the reins over to another astrologer who could divine the future for Nancy Reagan. Enter Joanne Quigley. Oh. She was a San Francisco-based astrologer. She uh-huh. was raised in Knob Hill, a child of wealth and privilege. She attended Vassar. She went on to publish books on astrology. She was also on the talk show circuit. You could find her on Merv Griffin's show. <laughs> I yeah, love it. it was Merv who brought her to the Reagan's orbit. <laughs> oh, look at this. Yeah, okay. But oh, my God. What do you think happened on March 30th, 1981 that pushed Nancy Reagan to seek out an astrologer that she could count on and depend on for life advice? Is that when he got shot? Her husband got shot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Less than three months into his presidency, someone tried to assassinate Ronald Reagan in order to impress Jodie Foster. Gag, 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 gag. Yeah. Yep. John Hinckley, nut job, right? Oh, yeah, totally. He was convinced that if he killed Reagan, Jodie Foster would want to go out with him or yeah, something. Yeah, well, a lo- lot, of, lot of barriers Yeah, there. got some bad news for you about uh, who <laughs> Jodie Foster prefers. Anyway, he went through with it. He damn near killed Reagan. I don't know if you know this, but how close he came to dying. Yeah. 
Like, apparently, the press secretary took a note at the time, doctors believe bleeding to death, right? Wow. He also recorded other diagnostics doctors had told him in the, in the ER. They said, can't find a wound, think we're going to lose him. Rapid loss of blood pressure, touch and go. Yeah, so the bullet that hit Reagan left a, quote, tiny jagged slit in Reagan's side, and the doctor didn't notice it. None of the doctors noticed it until they'd stripped Reagan. After they cut off his clothes and he was naked on the gurney, one of them spotted a tiny entry wound. And they, isn't that nice? You get a picture of naked Reagan on a gurney. Anyway, hey, thank you. it wasn't even a doctor who noticed the bullet wound. It was an intern who had been in Vietnam War, and he was like, that's oh, a bullet wound. Wow. And he pointed it out, and he's like, yeah, there's no exit wounds. Three hours of surgery later, the surgeons discovered the bullet just chilling a couple inches away from oh his heart. God. The bullet was in Reagan's left lung. When the president finally came around, he wrote on a pad, I- I'm alive, aren't I? Right? Oh. Then when Nancy was finally at his bedside, he joked and told her, honey, I, I forgot to duck. Yeah. So he joked with his attending doctors, I hope you all are all Republicans. Oh, man. In less oh, than knock two weeks, Reagan was back at work in the White House. Yes. Two weeks. Yeah. Yet, though, there was a new error about him because, as Nancy Reagan biographer Karen Tumulty wrote, that Reagan, quote, saw a divine hand in the fact that he had been spared, which made him more convinced than ever that there was a purpose at work in his presidency. So now he's all messianic. He's God's chosen president. Meanwhile, Nancy got deeper into the occult. So as her biographer Tumulty wrote, quote, her astrology was a crutch. Nancy didn't have religion to fall back on. And Ronald Reagan had a very deep religious faith. He truly believed God had a plan for him. But despite his Christian faith, Ronnie was cool with his wife's love of astrology. As Nancy wrote in her memoir, Reagan told her, quote, if it makes you feel better, go ahead and do it. He also cautioned her, but it might look a little odd if it ever came out. Now, as the leader of the free world, he couldn't have allies and enemies or the American people believing that an astrologer was shaping White House policy. Right. Now, that was the case. Elizabeth will take a break. And after this, I will tell you how that eventually came out. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. All right, Elizabeth, we're back. Here I am. There you are. Hi. The stars told me you'd be here. I knew it. Okay. Leader of the free world. His wife's into the occult. You got to keep this a secret, right? Yeah. Nancy's leaning on astrologers to keep her husband safe from future assassinations. Now, astrology in the White House, right? This, as I said, mainly started after the assassination. The thing was, Nancy had been warned about the assassination. 
Really? Yes. By whom? After the fact. Her Wait, old, warned after the fact? After the fact. Her old friend Merv Griffin contacted her. <laughs> He's like, spoiler alert. <laughs> and he told her an astrologer had told him that in the president's chart, quote, they saw something bad would happen that day. So apparently they got told, Merv got told beforehand, Nancy got told and after the fact. And he's just like sitting in the caftan in Palm Springs yes, and like, and oh, like, I slipped my mind to tell her. I meant to tell you, but you were busy. So when she <sighs> hears this, Nancy said with an actor's theatricality, oh my God, I could have stopped it. So now she's on a mission, right? <laughs> so Merv Griffin connects her with this psychic astrologer friend of hers, Joan Quigley, and... Uh, this means at this point now, the president will be guided by a San Francisco astrologer who has Nancy's ear, right? Her influence lasted seven years, the whole wow. first term and all but the last few months of Reagan's second term. Huh. In 1988, wow. The Open Secret came out into the public. You see, Nancy Reagan made an enemy, and he knew the astrology secret. When she came for him, he struck back at her. Oh, yeah. I didn't Isn't know that awesome? So... In her own words, Nancy Reagan knew that relying on an astrologer to keep her husband safe and to make decisions for the America's future and the future, you know, all of the people was not a good idea. Yeah. She knew that, right? Yeah, but yeah. she didn't care. So sure, exactly. Nancy Reagan was like, no, that this isn't, what's good for Nancy Reagan will hopefully be good for most of the people. <laughs> now, she was hooked, right? As she wrote in her autobiography, she said that her relationship with the, the astrologer, Joanne Quigley, quote, began as a crutch. Within a year or two, it had become a habit. Oh. She's like a star chart junkie at this point, right? So her biographer, <laughs> Kitty Kelly, she wrote that, quote, Nancy Reagan relied on Joanne Quigley. She would call her sometimes eight times a day for almost everything, down to unbelievable details, including the takeoff and landing times for Air Force One. That was astrology that charted their way. Nobody knew that at the time. Wait, like the, oh, wow. Yes. yes. And you know, homegirl's sitting there in San Francisco, and every time she takes a call, she's like making a note in the ledger <laughs> how many hours this is. Also, it was a costly relationship, That's this what I'm one. saying. Like, because oof. when you're keeping that secret, you know you can charge a gazillion. Uh-huh. Right? So, Quigley, she was. It's another thing I want to do have psychic <laughs> powers and then charge up the hoo ha for it. <laughs> She was paid by the hour and had a retainer. She was like a lawyer. Get it. She was kept on retainer to the tune of three grand a month. That would be $9,500 in 2024 Dang. Nancy Reagan was sent monthly bills to pay. The monthly retainer, you know, and any racked up charges for the month. The bill obviously was not sent to the White House, but it was yeah. sent to a private zip code that was then routed to the presidential residence in the White House. So it's kind of circumvented most of any unwanted oversight. Yeah. Then she had an old friend in California reportedly pay the astrologer monthly bills on behalf of the president and the first lady. That created a layer of removal, and th- that way there's no direct evidence. There was no checks from Nancy sure. Reagan to a San Francisco astrologer. Yeah. So at this point, to make sure her husband stayed safe from assassins, Nancy Reagan would give her private astrologer the president's upcoming schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, that like the Secret Service would have just lost oh, it. Oh, completely. If they knew. They did not know. know that this was... Nancy kept it super hush-hush. So over time, Nancy came to trust her astrologer psychic Quigley so much that she asked her advice on how Reagan should handle the Soviet Union and nuclear proliferation and the ongoing Cold War. Of course, her psychic was like, I got you, boo. Hand me my star charts. So (laughs) in order for her astrologer's prognostications to have sway over the White House, Nancy had to find a willing accomplice, right? An insider she could trust and manipulate and terrify, right? So she found the perfect accomplice, this dude named Michael Deaver. He was one of Reagan's closest advisors, right? He was keen to help her get away with this. So their influence campaign started first with managing the president's scheduling. Mm -hmm. Nancy Reagan's biographer, Tumulty, documented the secret partnership. She wrote that, quote, Deaver would dither and then insist, for example, that the president's plane take off for a foreign trip at precisely 2.11 a.m. He concocted stories to tell the traveling press. A pre-dawn takeoff uh, was deemed to have been dictated by medical advice on how to avoid jet lag. So wow. he was just lying, right? Yeah, yeah. So meanwhile, Reagan's chief of staff, James Baker, uh-huh. he was not down with astrology or really any of the occult. Oh, yeah, no. So he just pretended none of this was happening. <laughs> just, just look the other way. He just acted like, I don't know what that's, that's not happening over there. Let me look at my watch. Oh, I love my watch. Now, he had to wait on Quigley to tell Nancy when the president could address the nation, hold a press conference, all sorts of stuff. Wow. Imagine being the chief of staff of the White House. And, you and they're wait. all weird times. Yes. Like the press conference starts at 347. Yeah, like, the plane wait, leaves what? at 211 a.m. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. So James Baker recalled at the time, Quote, when we wanted to schedule a big thing like a press conference, he'd say, let me take a look at it. Then 
we figured he and Nancy would talk about the date. Now it's clear that they were clearing it all with her, with the astrologist. So he found out way later. That's yeah. how much he was like head in the sand about this. Yeah. After the first term, Deaver decides he'd had enough of life in the White House. He's mm-hmm. like, this sucks. So <laughs> 1984, after Reagan's reelected, Deaver begins to prep his replacement, get him to be cool with the whole astrologer shadow influence on the White House. Deaver insisted his replacement be cool with this, so he invites him out for a drink to kind of, like, tell him how it goes. Sure. He, he breaks it to him, right? The dude was, quote, flabbergasted. <laughs> and, he, and he told him, and I quote, Holy shit, Mike, I thought you were a madman. I can't believe you had to do this. Now, now it was his responsibility, uh-huh. and he took it on. This dude's name was Bill Henkel, and now he fell under Nancy's powers of persuasion just the same as Deaver had. Yeah. Soon enough, he's keeping her secrets, too. No questions about it. All it took was a strategic confession of her fears. You see, Nancy confided to him how Reagan's near assassination terrified her, and she would do anything to keep the president safe. Nancy told him, and I quote, Bill, I want you to understand and feel what it was like. I saw six doctors with panic in their eyes. My naked husband, I knew he was dying. So there you go. Like Nancy Reagan wants you to feel fear. <laughs> That's got to be a weird <laughs> she moment. She works out of fear. And then she uses naked Ronald Reagan to make you understand fear. <laughs> That's <her> scare tactic. <laughs> that would do it for me. <laughs> that would do it for me. Anyway. So I, I'm made believe, of stronger stuff. Can you believe I worked in two naked Reagan images into the keep, same thing? Yeah. Anyway, enter Donald Reagan. See, Not in my Reagan. mind, it's like from the waist up. Oh, okay. There you go. Cartoon mind. And it's very like a Ken doll. <laughs> just smooth front. It's just the, the lacquered hair. Okay. Oh, okay. Like a waxy and in place. Yeah. It's, okay. just a, it's just a wax figure. So former Treasury Secretary Donald Regan, mm-hmm. he becomes Reagan's new chief of staff after James yeah. Baker's like deuces. And oh boy, did he hate Nancy Reagan. I oh. just saw Red hated her, right? And Nancy hated him. <laughs> so one time after she'd called his office for like the 370 77th time, he barked at no one in particular. I'm not the chief of staff of the first lady. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah, that kind of sexist. So Nancy, he liked to say of Donald Reagan, quote, Don thought he was the president. Yeah, well. Yeah, so the lines in the sand were drawn, and it didn't take Nancy long to figure out what she needed to do, which is run a White House coup and get rid of Donald Reagan. So how did she do this? To get rid of Donald Reagan, she needed something that wouldn't point back at her. So she's like, oh, I'm Nancy. I can figure this moment. She waits. (laughs) She finds the perfect excuse in the form of? The Iran-Contra affair. Oh, my God. She uses that as a spatula to flip him out of the Wait, White House. what? <laughs> yes. When that sordid scandal broke and rocked the Reagan White House, yeah. Nancy slightly used all the negative attention to oust Donald Reagan. Like, it's him. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah. No, that's an easy, yeah. She orchestrates his removal. Boom, he's out. And But a man like Donald Reagan, he's not going to go quietly. Uh-uh. He's going to uh-uh. remember. He waited. Meanwhile, he wrote a book. And in that book... He documented everything he knew and everything he could allege. And it comes out in 1988, just in time while Reagan's still president. Election year. (laughs) Donald Reagan made sure that Nancy's big secret was revealed in a way that it looked maximally manipulative and conniving and lying and so forth. Reagan wrote, and I quote, Virtually every major move and decision the Reagans made during my time as White House chief of staff was cleared in advance with a woman in San Francisco who drew up horoscopes to make certain that the planets were in a favorable alignment. (laughs) He also wrote that he didn't personally know the astrologer's name or her identity. Now, the news of the book hits, right? Nancy springs into action. She contacts her astrologer, and Nancy tells her then any, like, busybody reporters come sniffing around her place. The astrologer is to deny the story. Yeah. And I quote, Lie if you have to. Just lie. You can't say anything. (laughs) So that's her approach. Didn't take long for the reporters to get to San Francisco. They find the astrologer. Remember, it's an open secret. So the astrologer psychic was only too happy to come forward and to tell her side of the story. Oh, you're kidding me. She completely ignored Nancy. The stars told her to. Yeah, exactly. It was her chance. So she told a reporter from the Associated Press that she was, quote, a serious scientific astrologer. (laughs) To clarify what that meant, she added, and I quote, I am really not one of those clowns. And I really don't like this circus atmosphere. So she's serious. Yeah, like, she's dead serious. Yeah. Anyway, soon enough, she had a book deal. So oh, she, cool. she she cashed in on Surprise. all the, the circus atmosphere she didn't like. Yeah. She made it work for her. And the yeah. name of the, the name of her book, quote, 
What does Joan say? My seven years as a White House astrologer to Nancy and Ronald Reagan. Oh, I kind of want to read that. Right? So once the story broke and their San Francisco astrologer is unmasked, the White House had to spring into damage control, sure. right? Press Secretary at the time, Marlon Fitzwater, he tried oh, yeah. to contain any damage from the psychic scandal. Mm-hmm. May 4th, 1988, he holds a White House press briefing, downplays Donald Reagan's claims. Quote, it's true that Mrs. Reagan has an interest in astrology. She has for some time, particularly following the assassination attempt in March of 1981. She was very concerned for her husband's welfare, and astrology has been part of her concern in terms of his activities. The New York Times also reported that, quote, Mr. Fitzwater acknowledged that the president has a superstitious streak. He often talks in speeches about, quote, lucky numbers and jokes that the ghost of Abraham Lincoln resides in the White House. Well, yeah, so they just wanted to basically connect all the dots. Yeah, right? So yeah. Ronald Reagan was eventually asked about this by reporters, and they're like shouting at him because he won't answer the questions. Eventually he replies, quote, no policy or decision in my mind has ever been influenced by astrology. Huh. Like, okay. okay, so that raised the question. Other than scheduling, what influence did Quigley yeah. have? Like, well, how much influence did this San yeah, Francisco the, psychic really? The scheduling, right? Like, yeah. In her 1990 memoir, Quigley claimed that she advised the president not to play it so tough in negotiations with Mikhail Gorbachev and the Soviet Union. Whoa. She told Nancy Reagan that, quote, Ronnie's evil empire attitude has got to go. <laughs> so Quigley claimed in 1986, in the hours before a summit in Iceland between the Soviet Union and the U.S. that focused on nuclear disarmament, Quigley read the star charts of Reagan and Gorbachev, and she told Nancy Reagan their horoscopes. In a 2014 interview, Quigley recalled, I affected the relationship between the superpowers by my reading of Gorbachev's horoscope. What does she mean by that, Elizabeth? Well, in her own words, Quigley told Nancy Reagan, quote, Gorbachev's Aquarian planet is in such harmony with Ronnie's, you'll see, they'll share a vision. Now, Nancy Reagan reported that to the White House advisor, specifically she told Bill Henkel the good news, right? She's like, oh, great news, no nuclear war, whatever, right? So Henkel, he wrote in his autobiography, quote, she came back saying, these two have, by the stars, some good vibes. (laughs) So I guess the psychic astrologer was right because the world did get nuclear disarmament. And so there you go. I admit there was no explicit criminal prosecution of Nancy. (laughs) But I said, you know, that there was an alleged criminal scandal run by Nancy Reagan. There it is. And the news that Ronald Reagan was secretly being guided by a San Francisco astrologer. I mean, you got to admit, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's both ridiculous and slightly criminal. So what's your ridiculous takeaway, Elizabeth? Oh, boy, howdy. Uh, I need psychic powers. Yes. Because let's make it all about me for a second. Of course. Why not? As as I do, it's I need psychic. It's powers. in the stars. Do it. I think too that um, it's fascinating. I'm not like a, a, a astrology person. Mm-hmm. Um, I have you know close friends who are, and it's like a serious thing for them, and uh, I respect that. Oh yeah, I respect anything that um, makes a person get through the day. But you know, you're talking about how he would say lucky numbers, and mm-hmm. there are so many things that we do that are you know woo 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 yeah. and you know even like the stock market is like Total astrology for bros yeah. you know it's like it's like one of those uh, mood rocks for capitalists totally so i think you know we can't we can't look too unkindly on it plus i know they got you know the psychics but then you also had like at that time like cheney and rumsfeld oh yeah you know totally. scooting around coming out of that uh, uh ford white house going when do we get power exactly Let's talk to the bushes we need so to get power back. they were probably they were more influential than uh than yeah. the psychic zarin What's your ridiculous takeaway? Oh my God, that's so refreshing. You know, right? So naked Ronald Reagan, right? (laughs) I love that that Nancy gets that, you know, the thing that she loves is also the way to make someone taste fear. Yeah, exactly. It turns me on, but this will make you taste fear. (laughs) So there you go. That's mine. That's beautiful. Oh, hey, you in the mood for a talkback? I love talkbacks. Let's hear one. Producer D? Talkbacks. Oh my God, did he? Hi guys, I'm just listening to the Agatha Christie episode, and I literally spit coffee out when I listened to Elizabeth's impersonation of Sean Connery. Love your show. Thanks so much for all the laughs. Nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you guys. Uh, always, you know, keep those coming. We dig oh, those. Love them. And you can always call us on our hotline that we don't have yet. <laughs> but you can find us online at Ridiculous Crime on Twitter and Instagram, I think. And uh, we have the website, RidiculousCrime.com. And also, we, as I said, love your talkback. So please give us more of those. Call us on the talkback. On the, yeah, call us on the hotback, talkback line. <laughs> the hotback. Email us if you want at RidiculousCrime at gmail.com. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next crime. Bye. 
Ridiculous Crime is hosted by Elizabeth Dutton and Zarin Burnett. Produced and edited by Tip O'Neill's bartender, Dave Kuskin. Research is by Marissa, astrologer to the reality TV stars, Brown, and Andrea, just say yes, song sharpened here. Our theme song is by Thomas, Team Bonzo, Lee, and Travis, Rockney All-American, Dutton. The host wardrobe provided by Botany 500. Executive producers are Ben, did you know in the White House there's a lane for bowling? And Noel, I did know that. Brown. Ridiculous Crime. Say it one more time. Ridiculous Crime. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club.